A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. This episode of The Gays Revolting is brought to you by Koala. The old way of buying furniture sucks. Welcome to The Koala Way. Visit koala.com and get $150 off purchases over $1,000 when you use the code GAYSREVOLTING at checkout. This episode of The Gays Are Revolting is brought to you by The Wine Gallery. The Wine Gallery wades through an ocean of dull bottles to deliver you the bottles you love. Visit thewinegallery.com.au and get $25 off your first box when you use the code GAYSREVOLTING at the checkout. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Are Revolting, your definitive weekly news source for contemporary gays. We put the G in LGBTIQA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Gays Revolting and Instagram at Gays Revolting Pod. Welcome back, everyone. So we have a really special episode today. We have our special guests coming in, the Healthy Bear. Yes, Dr. George Forgan-Smith, which is very exciting, but it means we had to say goodbye to one member of our little team. We did the age-old tradition of pulling a name out of a borrowed hat. That's right. And unfortunately... Unfortunately, Kyle's not here. (laughs) So from our regular hosts that are here this week, to my right, we have the Filipino version of Harry Potter that no one ever asked for, Luke. (laughs) (laughs) Except his lightning bolt is just a little speck of cum that he didn't wash off. (laughs) And to my left, we have Thomas, who has had so much dick in him that he puts any urinal to shame. (laughs) Someone learn how to read. Okay, I I have been studying this week. (laughs) A lot of the dick that I had in me, I was in a urinal at the time, too. That's good. (laughs) That is like Inception right there. Uh, So... It's Melbourne Gay Christmas. Midsummer yes. Festival has just gone on sale. Uh, Midsummer, Melbourne's Gay Arts Festival. Yes. And we're doing a show. Yeah. Uh, which you can buy tickets to. Uh, we're doing do. a live recording of The Gays are Revolting. We'll have a whole lot of special surprises there. Yeah. Plus the three of us and Kyle. It. I think it'll be fun. I'm kind of excited so to meet excited. all these regulars that keep tweeting us and, and commenting on our Instagram yeah, posts. Absolutely. And they'll see all the stuff that we cut out of <laughs> yeah. the show. All the extra tangents that we go on. If you want to yeah. come along it's it's only twenty dollars a ticket yeah. uh, and we're doing it at it's evie's disco diner uh yeah. you can buy tickets at midsummer.org.au mm-hmm. um and it is a, it's kind of a, like it's yeah. not a huge venue and i don't want to brag but tickets went on sale this morning yeah. and we've actually sold quite a few so, so exciting. you might want to jump on it now yeah if you want to and it's on the third of february which is a sunday evening yes. we'll be doing it so sure you'll come down with there. us yes <laughs> i'll be going straight to wet if anyone needs to lift up <laughs> Thank you. 
and we are so excited to welcome an actual professional. This is Dr. George Forgan-Smith, aka The Healthy Bear. Dr. George is a gay identifying GP from Melbourne, specializing in men's health, mental health, and health promotion. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Wow, you've really done your research. Rock on. (laughs) I'm I'm very happy. Thank you. (laughs) So we've asked our listeners to send us in questions for you. Now, before we go there, I would like to add in a little... (laughs) Absolutely. I have never met any of these people. I've not examined any of these people. So any information that I'm going to be sharing today is general in nature. It does not replace medical care provided by a medical professional. So if you do have medical concerns, worries or are feeling generally unwell please go and see your doctor if you feel you're dying call an ambulance go to the hospital but yeah i, mm, I, I yeah. i'm not going to be operating on anything today and <laughs> if it's pussy and dripping come and see me in town <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got to pay for that um well we'll jump straight into it then uh, we've got a fairly light-hearted one to start yeah. with <laughs> now some Five of these questions ten. are anonymous and some of them people have put their name to them because some Ooh. people are thirsty and yeah. want like yeah. a, a little tag in the uh, in the podcast oh, so this one's from lewis and lewis says um should men moisturize their dicks and if so what with Well, sure. Penises are made of skin, Mm. and skin is a really, really important part of the immune system. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, it's one of the biggest organs in our body, and moisturized skin is actually better functioning skin, and it works better in the immune system. So, yes, really? moisturize away. Mm. And is that, gen- would you say, generally speaking, for all skin on the on the human body? Yeah, is yeah absolutely. My own mother always told me not to moisturize because it would knock off my natural oils. But I get compliments about my skin all the time, and I've yeah, never once moisturized in my life. Using too much sorbeline in the bedroom yeah, is probably right. worrying <laughs> mum. <Yeah>. So... <laughs> For people who like things to be hypoallergenic, mm. I'm a big fan of sorbeline. It's okay. cheap. It's easy. QV lotion. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like if you suffer with dry skin or flaky skin, the first stop is always going to be moisturizing. So, yeah, moisturize away. It's okay. funny because like I only started moisturizing my face about two weeks ago, oh, really? but I've had a, like a skincare regime for my penis for about four years. <laughs> <laughs> like it That's just scrape off the flakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's because of all of the just injuries. because KY oh. is water-based doesn't mean it's a moisturizer. <laughs> There's a lot of uptake yeah. that I have to do because of previous injuries. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all we, we know all yeah. about this. So, Lewis, I think, you know, you're on the right track. You, you yeah. are. Keep your skin supple and soft. And look, one of the best tips I ever got from my partner was moisturize, 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 right? And they teach that to all of the people who go to... Oh, what's that acting place in Sydney? Um, I'm uh, NIDA. 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 Yeah, they teach all of the actors there. Moisturize, moisturize. Well, and they must like, be teaching them something because it's not how to yeah. work. <laughs> oh, no offense if your partner went there. Sorry. No, 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 no. He's not an actor. But, <laughs> but, right. but I always wanted to open up a Botox clinic and yeah. just attack the tradie market. And all you do is give them Botox and teach them to moisturize uh. and to use sunscreen. And mm. they would have brilliant skin. Mm. Mm. We would have a, a generation of tradies who didn't look like Louis Vuitton bags in yeah. the 40s. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, on the topic, you said, sorry, you mentioned um, water-based lube. Does oil-based or water-based lubes dry the skin out? Is there anything you should be careful of when using different um, lubricants? Um, I suppose it depends on what's in there. Like okay. I know that some of the silicon-based lubes, they add in like aloe vera and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And that can actually be problematic with condoms and latex yes, products. So if you wear latex, it's really, really important if you're using silicon as the shining agent to be really careful about what else is in there because mm-hmm. it causes pitting. And, you know, for the few people in the room who still use condoms mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. era of prep, choosing the right lube is important for that. 
But does it dry out the skin? I don't really know. I don't think it pulls moisture out, but I don't know whether it adds any, to be honest. Mm-hmm. What about spit? What about <laughs> spit? What do you want to know about spit? <laughs> Apart from the fact that spit for lube is a really great way of transmitting gonorrhea from the throat to the bum. There yeah. we go. That's ah, worth knowing. Fantastic yeah. way. Especially for Luke and I. That's a good tip. <laughs> uh, so our next question is from an anonymous person. <gasps> um, their question is... After your boyfriend has ejaculated into your ass, how do you go about getting it out? Do I let it come out of its own accord? Do I sleep on it? Or should I coax it out as soon as possible? Coax it out as soon as possible. (laughs) Mm, I'm I'm seeing soup soup ladles. I'm seeing large dessert spoons. Or just sort of like whispering to it. Just like, come Get a little carrot. (laughs) Well, what I can say is that douching pushes it up, not out. Yeah, if you so don't double douche. No, don't no. douche. Douching, no, no, no. Not. Douching just pushes it up, not out. So that's not a. It'll come out. I don't think you need to do anything in specific. You don't have to like. So there's nothing dangerous about leaving it in. Well, I suppose it like. Why do you want it out is the question. Are you mm. worried about uh, like an, an STI transmission or are you worried about HIV transmission? Mm. Then if you're worried, like if you've had a condom break and there's semen up the ass, then it's not about getting it out. It's about getting to the hospital to get on PEP. If you are HIV uh, negative yeah. and you're worried about HIV, then I would go to the hospital and talk to them about, hey, look, I've, I've had a, a broken condom or I've had a condom that didn't go on. Yeah. I would like to get some PEP. Please. It looks like this person saying boyfriend. Yeah. So think, it looks like yeah. they're just concerned. You do hear sort of. Like room, I don't know if there's any factual evidence behind it, but things mm. about like ulcers and stuff from having semen no. in the body for too long. No. 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 I don't think so. Like we don't get ulcers in our testicles from having semen True. inside them. Yeah. So and to be honest, sure, semen is a little bit alkaline, but that's designed that way and I don't think it's going to cause major drama inside the bum. A little bit of alkaline never hurt nobody. (laughs) Yeah. So we have our next question which is not anonymous it's from Jacob. (laughs) Okay. Jacob wants to know what is Dr. George's current opinion on douching? Do you recommend it and for reference the last resource he published on the topic this person has researched research. they've gone back to 2012 Mm -hmm. and you had mentioned some developments by way of safer douching they put the quotes around the word safer that wouldn't irritate our linings Um, Mm. now it's 2018 we're in the future has there been any developments from then or do you have advances in douching have been huge over (laughs) the past six years you would be amazed at what's available now water is still the same stuff (laughs) (laughs) no has there been any changes in my policy on douching I'm going to put my caveat in here it depends on what you actually want to do so I'm going to take so all of this stuff sounds way too like witchcraft and way too hard (laughs) so that's why I'm kind of glad to be top but I'm really glad that people do do should you know some bottoms get really upset when poo comes out but it's like what else is going to come out of there yeah Yeah. freaking bonbons you keep drilling you're bound to hit oil (laughs) (laughs) it does happen so the average penis here in Australia is 5.4 inches long yeah whatever that is in metric we can all hey Siri that later. No, um, babies and dicks you measure in. Uh, thank you. Period. When I was in Amsterdam, <laughs> people were like saying, "My penis is eighteen centimeters," and I'm like, "I'm okay." Yeah, I don't know why, but for some reason, I can picture <laughs> inches when we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. every Germans yeah. and the Dutch, they yeah. they give it to yeah. you in metric, and I'm like, mm, <laughs> I would like to have a deciliter of coke, please. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, if it's just going to be anal sex or playing with you know a non-depth related anal toy, you don't need a massive douche. You no. could just do a simple gentle squirt of some lukewarm water 
let it sort of sit there for a little bit and then evacuate. Um, yeah. And that should be fine, right? Mm. But a lot of people have these rituals that they have to eat this particular food. Mm, you know, I, yeah. I did this amazing interview with a, a fisting expert and he was talking about indicator foods and all sorts of crazy stuff. Like he eats beans or corn or stuff like that. So he knows that that's the last thing he'll eat is corn, right? And then mm. he'll starve himself. And so when the corn appears, he's like, oh, that, there's nothing oh, left. That is yeah. brilliant. But the thing is like the way that the colon is shaped there's like a little loop right yeah. and if you put too much water in the douching it, like goes, it goes over the top and then goes into the called the sigmoid colon and that's when you put too much water in it's just like rivers and rivers and rivers of poo that will just not stop yeah right uh but okay. you also sometimes get that like sometimes if you douche too much i've found instead of just a couple of little flakes of shit you might mm. get squirts which i think are squirts of Poo water are worse than it's just a worse. Bit of, yeah. yeah, and the other thing to remember is that the lining of the ass is designed to absorb water. That's its job, right? right? But if you put pure water in there, mm. it's actually a little bit osmotic. Osmotic. I'm pulling out the big words now, <laughs> but it, it is a little bit irritating to the mm. lining of the okay. ass. Right. So, and it could wash away the natural mucosa, the rectal mm. mucosa, mm. which is. It, do you know this? Rectal mucosa has got a really, it's got an interesting smell, but it's kind of a bit aphrodisiac for some people. Myself included. Um, (laughs) But it's got a really nice Mm. scent. Is that why I like rimming? Maybe. I don't know. Possibly. Okay, cool. Sure. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the trick is douche, Mm. then stand around for a little bit and see if any more water wants to come out. But give it a half hour to an hour for the the rectal mucosa to recover and for that lining to come back a little bit. Mm. Okay. But unless you're fisting, unless you're playing with really long depth toys, you Mm. don't need a massive douche. You really, Mm. you don't. If If the object is to just avoid poo with anal sex, then that's probably going to be enough i know you're sort of saying like looking after your diet and that sort of thing might be a little bit extreme but there are sometimes when you might have had binge uh, you know uh, uber eats binge the date before or something like that and you do have a little bit of we've talked about metamucil before i use it i feel like it works but i don't know if that's just a placebo sort of a thing no 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 fiber is very very important but metamucil is just really expensive psyllium husks it's Mm -hmm. basically psyllium husks plus sugar plus tang Mm -hmm. that's kind of the recipe now the other thing about psyllium and metamucil is that if you you don't drink enough water it's actually going to make you constipated yes so you mix it up mm. teaspoon in there mix it up drink it down and then have a second glass of water mm-hmm. but the you can actually get the metamucil tablets yeah yes. if you do not drink enough water that is problem city it can really okay. really bind you up so i'm a big fan of just eating fruit and vegetables okay. yeah because that way you get the minerals and you get the vitamins and the fun of eating an apple <laughs> <laughs> and the fiber that you need and, and that then you're probably going to be full and not want the mcdonald's yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and it holds everything together and makes the poos more solid and makes them pass easier as well mm-hmm. and it reduces your risk of bowel cancer our next question is is more on the mental health side of things, uh, and this is an anonymous one. It's a bit of a long one, so bear with me. I've recently come off my SSRIs, which are anti-anxiety. Am I right? Yep. Yeah, yep. anti-anxiety medication. After five years of being on them, coming off them was hell with both physical and emotional side effects, and now I'm left with a feeling of depleted serotonin levels after eight weeks. Will this even out over time? And is my brain still getting used to not taking the medication? Now, with this one, I think you'd probably really want to enforce your little disclaimer earlier because mental health is something that's so individual. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is where it's really, really important that people have a good relationship with their prescribing doctor. Mm -hmm. So we know that like when I was working in psychiatry that the way that antidepressants work, it just doesn't replace serotonin Mm. to make you happy. It actually leads to a change in the shape of the um, receptors for serotonin in the brain. 
and it changes the number of serotonin receptors in the brain as well. And that's why antidepressants take a little while to kick in. Yeah. It's not instantaneous. So I suppose the thing is that when you come off an antidepressant, sure, you are going to have a wobbly period where the serotonin's not balanced and not right. And it generally will balance out over a couple of weeks. Um, months, it's sounding like it's dragging on a little bit. And it might mm. be that this person's actually has had depression and you take away the antidepressant and it might still be there it's just been masked or treated some people just don't make enough serotonin so they benefit from being on an antidepressant for a longer period of time so i would really really recommend that this person talks with their doctor and, and be honest and be open and say look i'm not happy and i worry about that what can we do and mm. if if their gp is not confident in that area that's okay because they can refer to somebody who is more comfortable with that, whether that be a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist or uh, somebody like that. When you mentioned having a healthy relationship with your prescribing doctor, I feel like a lot of people in the LGBTI community, but especially gay men, mm. I find I'll have conversations with like, oh yeah, I just got my, I got a doctor that will just, I tell them what I want and they'll prescribe whatever I want and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Do you think it's important to have a doctor that doesn't do that as well? I Well, it's, it's a two-way street and yeah. I hate being treated like an ATM, mm. like a medical mm. ATM. If somebody comes up to me and just demands, it brings up my back so yeah. freaking fast. Yeah. But I think the most important thing is that you can be honest with your doctor, right? So the thing is that nothing's nailed to the floor. You're allowed to move around. You're allowed to test mm. other doctors and find somebody that you can sit down and talk with. And this is why I do these podcasts. And this is why I talk yeah. to as many people as possible, because I think within the GLBTI community, within the kink community, there just aren't enough doctors that are willing to talk about these mm. awkwardy kind of mm -hmm. things. The other thing is that if you get to know a doctor, they'll get to know you. Yeah. So I can tell my long-term patients when they're right and when they're not right. Okay. Mm. Usually by the time I've called out their name and got them into the room, it's, you know, it's a 50 yeah. meter walk to my room. I've got a vague idea what's wrong with them by that yeah. stage. Yeah. And you can tell so that's why having a regular doctor is important mm -hmm. and worth trying for. And I've literally never asked a doctor for a specific medication, whether mm. I feel like I might need antibiotics yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I've never gone in and said it because I feel like doing that is wrong. I did. It's As a doctor, like, is wrong. it okay for a patient to say, I think I need this? Look, sure, they can say whatever yeah. they like. It's their time. Okay. But it's my responsibility to stop and say, well, okay, why do you think you need that? Yeah, right. Because I have some people who say, oh, I know my body and I've got this, you know, infected carbuncle and... I say, well, that's okay. Well, let's stop and let's have a look at it and mm -hmm. see what's going on. And there might be something else going on. Like mm -hmm. even just this week, I had somebody guy, uh, somebody come in who told me that they had a an infection for their skin and they and they needed antibiotics. And I had a look at the skin, and yeah, it looked infected, but it was shingles. Right. So mm. shingles is not going to respond to an antibiotic. Yeah. It needs an yeah. antiviral. So that's why it's important to don't close off the conversation. Mm -hmm. If the doctor suddenly says, "Well, I'm not giving that to you." It's the doctor's responsibility to say, and here's why, and here's an alternative. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I do that. But if somebody's not giving you exactly what you want, there might be a reason for that mm -hmm. and to continue that conversation. I can really relate to this person because I've been on this medication for exactly that reason. And I felt exactly the same way that they did when I came off of it. And I did exactly as you've recommended. I went back to my doctor and I was mm -hmm. just like, look. I don't know what's going on. I've been on this medication for two years. My anxiety is gone, but now I feel super depressed. Because mm. I said to them, I don't want to go back on the medication. Mm. Like, that's not what I want. Like, I turned into a complete zombie. Mm. And they were just like, look, 
I can recommend you to a naturopath. Mm-hmm. They can give you recommendations on your diet and yep. like whatever else you can do with your exercise yeah. and stuff. And that worked amazing for me. Mm. And like that's something that I've carried on since. Yep. But then they've always had that open dialogue of when I do see mm. them, they're just like, yeah. how's it going? And What's there's there's on? many things that you can do for mental health. Like having yeah. a hobby is mm. really, really important. Having regular physical movement. We know mm. that the anxiety, the anti-anxiety effect of exercise lasts about 72 hours. Yeah. So if you can do a little bit of movement, gymming or anything like that. And for some of my really, really depressed patients, just getting up out of bed yeah. and having a shower and dressing in regular clothes. If that's the best they can do for the day, then that's good. I'm a big one about making the bed. If you make mm. the bed, that's an achievement for the day. And it's it's not too hard to make a bed. You don't have yeah. to make it like a hospital bed. All I do is just pull the sheet across. But my aunt used to always say, there's mm. nothing better than a well-made bed. <laughs> <laughs> and it is true. And what if you get trained in the afternoon? You don't yeah. want to look You don't like want to look shabby. You're going to be busy douching. You get don't that have to Laura Ashley out. Well. No. Show off that. <laughs> fine purchases from DFO. <laughs> okay. So our next question comes from Ben. This is also another the long one. I am extremely sensitive to the idea and concept of blood and needles. And yes, by sensitive, I mean my blood pressure dives at the slightest provocation to the point where I lose consciousness. And he says, on the episode where you guys discussed the, the snapped frenulum, I had to sit with my head between my legs for half an hour. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're disappointed even more, <laughs> man, that you haven't even met Luke. Um, he goes on and he says, knowing this, how would you suggest I go about STD slash STI tests, given that some require blood to be drawn? I feel like I can never successfully get through a test. Well, you will. You may yeah. not just be awake for part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I deal with people who have that. I remember I like I used to run a rapid HIV testing clinic and it was just a finger prick of blood, right? As big early man came through and I did the finger pick of blood and got mm. the blood onto the onto the stick and I'm just blah 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 and then I'm looking and going oh oh, oh god no. he's going oh, faint yeah. and then he lay down and he had a little seizure and I was going please don't fall off the bed please don't fall yeah. off the bed please don't fall off the bed and then he woke up so if that's the way you are it's okay I still recommend you get the testing done but just get it done lying down Because gravity is there, right? The blood can't fall to your boots if you're lying down flat. You'll still get blood to the brain. It'll feel icky and you'll feel yucky and you might go a bit pale and sweaty, but just get the blood test done. Yeah. Because, Mm. you know, I would rather feel a bit icky Mm. than have gonorrhea that got missed or something like that. Mm, What about the trick when they do it on two instead of doing it on one? I just Can think that's lying. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Is it okay to... I'm and there's oh, just a little scratch. Um, sure. Um, but if you take your time and find the right vein, you'll be right. And mm, just get yeah. it done the right the first time. Take your time. Mm. Everyone breathe. It's all fine. The other trick is when you go to get your blood taken, mm. go to the, the pathology place and say, look, I'm the problem child. <laughs> Can you give me your your best agent? Yeah. And I will need to be lying down. And they'll be grateful for it because nobody wants to pick somebody oh, up off gosh. the floor. Yeah, no way. That's, 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 that's you know, I, I mean, I don't think anyone loves getting no. their blood taken. Um, I do. I, I'm okay with it. I just don't like looking at the blood. No, that's I was about arm. to say. Yeah, yeah. and I, I go to the Melbourne Sexual Health Clinic. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I've talked to friends about they have this Wally Where's Wally poster on the oh, wall. Oh yeah, have you seen it? <laughs> yeah. I go say the Swanson Street Melbourne Sexual Health <laughs> yeah. Clinic. Yeah. And the amount of gays that I've talked to that have studied that Where's Wally poster that's on <laughs> it's like a, a big wall sized one. Yeah. And you've got to find all these different Wallys all over the place. And I have found every single Wally yeah. several times on that poster. But the, um, the, but the it's nurses. Good 
they're just sort of, yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. They're good. They're really chatty. And, you know, a lot of people you feel like when you go there, because it is for a diverse range of people, it's not specifically yes. just for gay men. They're very good with gay men, but lots of other people are there as well. And when you walk into that waiting room, you do feel like there is a feeling in the room and sort of a weight mm. on a lot of people's shoulders. And I feel mm. like a lot of people that mm. go there, it's their first time. Because when you Google mm. it, that's the first place that pops yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. So... I feel like the staff there are really good at making you feel like you're not the most awful person in the world because yeah, your dick's yeah. itching or you got yeah. pus coming out of your vagina yeah. or anything like that. Like, it, it's a very welcoming yeah. environment. And there. I think Absolutely. it's a sexual health clinic, people. Yeah. We, you know, we're very accustomed. Like, people go, oh, I'm so embarrassed, but yeah. I've, I've got a hemorrhoid. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's just like, it's a bum. It's yeah. like, I look at bums all day long. And I we all go. All yeah. day long. Oh, we should yeah. all be going. I always tell my housemates I'm going to check in at headquarters and see. <laughs> All right. We've got another anonymous question for Dr. George. This question is asking us, can HIV spread through the contact of penises or cum only? No. Like frotting. Okay, no. next question. Yeah. <laughs> if well, so. No, well, it's blood-to-blood transfer or blood or bodily fluid to a mucous membrane. So frottage in and of itself is safe. Mm. It's safe for HIV, but there are other things that you could get, like syphilis could be transmitted that way if mm-hmm. there's, or herpes could be transmitted that way. Yeah. So what's frotting? Skin against skin. So oh, like okay. rubbing and stuff. Okay, okay. And really, in order to catch HIV through that, you would have to have an open wound on the... You'd have to have an open wound in that area. You know, you would have to... It would have to be like a really open wound mm. to it, mm. not just like a you know a three day old thing. Yeah, so, and yeah. we uh, have had people before ask and pops up in conversation a lot about the transfer of HIV through oral sex. And again, it would need to be you would need to have had dental surgery or something like you that. You would have re- had recently had an extraction. And yeah, get semen like in your mouth. Proper open wound. The holes in the Swiss cheese would really have to line mm. up, and that's so yeah. so improbable and unlikely, mm. and yeah. incredibly rare. Yeah, incredibly rare. Speaking, I'd, yeah. I'd, well. It's interesting that we we always attribute the transmission of HIV to, you know, condomless anal sex. Mm. But people who have condomless anal sex usually also swallow cum as well. Mm. When you think about inside the mouth, the saliva has enzymes that break HIV. The stomach has acid, which breaks Mm. HIV. And the lining of the the inside of the mouth isn't really friendly to Mm. HIV either. So, yeah, again, it's very, very unlikely to transmit Mm -hmm. HIV. Hi, I'm an 18-year-old male. That's the question asker, not me, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, This is an anonymous person. Do you have any tips for finding the prostate? I haven't ever bottomed in a sexual encounter, and no matter how much I probe up there, I get nothing. It feels good enough just having something there, but there's no bursts of pleasure. Is that normal? Yes. That is totally normal. Like, So the prostate is a little gland, and it sits... Oh, God, in an audio way. How do you explain what it is? (laughs) So... If you're laying on your back mm-hmm. and you were to yeah. slide your finger into your bottom mm-hmm. and yeah. point it up towards the roof. So, you so finger, towards your belly button. Yeah, you slide your finger in and then wiggle the tip of your finger towards your belly button. You'll be probably rubbing against the prostate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. When the prostate's not enlarged or when the prostate's not sort of like with sexual activity, the mm. prostate will get a little bit bigger because it produces about 70% of the volume of semen. So it when it's working, the prostate can get a get bit bigger but it's not a huge organ so it's not super super easy to find it's not like braille it's like oh <laughs> there it is <laughs> um 
But the other thing is that the actual sensation is quite subtle. Mm-hmm. When you're yeah. rubbing the prostate on some people, they'll go, oh, it feels like I need to pee. Mm-hmm. And that is probably a combination of the fact that the prostate sits underneath the bladder. And so if you bang it too hard, then it will be banging against the bladder and mm-hmm. make you feel like you want to pee. But it's a different sensation. Mm-hmm. It's an unusual sensation. Mm-hmm. And I would say continue exploring your body and the, the different sensations and just be aware of, of each sensation as you feel it and don't get tied down on finding one thing. Mm. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, Dr. Okay. George, but okay. I would also hazard a guess <laughs> this person is 18 years old and, and hasn't had anal sex before. Mm. I think. Yeah. Do you feel like a lot of people sort of watch porn and see videos oh where guys are constantly coming from getting fucked yeah. when in reality that's a very uh, rare occurrence? Yeah. Look, oh my God, when a guy comes just from me fucking them, I just think that's the hottest I think thing God. ever. Yeah. Oh my God, I am Rocky Stifretto yeah. or insert porn star's name here. Yeah, yeah. I think porn gives some very, very unrealistic mm. ideas about what it's like to have sex. Because that's not a common thing, is no. it, coming from just being fucked? No, it's no. not very common at all. And my, most of the time, fucking for me ends with, oh, I'm a bit uncomfortable. Can we have a break? And I'm not mm. oh, sure. Um, <laughs> oh, stop bragging, <laughs> Dr. George. Donkey but, Dick George. <laughs> but... I suppose the other thing is that BDSM in porn. Oh my god, yeah. I've, I have a collection of dangerous BDSM photos that I collect because yeah. when I'm teaching um, in the BDSM sphere, I, I say, "Look, this dude's got rope around his neck and he's got all of this sort of stuff, and it's a photo and one moment in time." But don't ever tie, yeah. you know, don't tie rope around people's neck, don't choke people. Oh, there's so many things that, especially if people- you're on drugs, I would say because mm. things can oh happen where time god. is distorted and there's so many variables that can yeah. go wrong and and in porn remember that there's a film crew and there's people yeah. around and usually it didn't take five minutes to film like mm. to do mm. a scene can take five or six hours to film that these people are professionals mm. yeah. yeah I don't imagine I, I can't imagine getting fucked for six hours that'd be the mm. oh, that wouldn't be no. my idea of a holiday <laughs> I'm into the really dodgy porn so most of my I only like my mates yeah. I only like yeah. my but that almost goes back to what we were talking about earlier about douching and people freaking out about the idea of like a little bit of poo yeah your ass has poo in it and I f- think like people People are so we have so much access to porn now, with it, and so when there is a little bit of poo in real life, we're like, "Oh my god, I can't oh, believe that yeah. just happened! That is the scariest thing! That is the most yeah. awful thing that's ever yeah. fucking happened!" It's like, no, that just nah. happens. They Go edit that bit out. It's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's totally fine. Do you know there's there's a porn producer, Jason? I don't know what his last name is, um, in Los mm. Angeles, and he's got these really amazing Photoshop and Final Cut Pro tutorials and he okay. teaches you how to lighten assholes and he mm. will actually go to the level that what? he will lighten wow. the the colour of a bum hole mm. to make the porn that he makes look even better. In video. Oh, wow. In video. Wow. That's Fuck. like that incroyable. Shrek level oh, of CGI. <laughs> I know, right? So there you go. It, wow. It may not be... What it's like in no, real life. I don't life. think Melbourne's porn scene's caught. I don't think Bentley Race Bentley are doing Ray. that oh, just Ray's, yet. No. You, they haven't even they don't have to fight. The, the sound still of the trying tram. to work out. I love that. Ding, ding. You can um, yeah. the trans- Do you reckon he dropped, does he drop that in? No, no I think it's genuinely there. I'm still trying to find the building because I'm looking at the angles on the roof. Yeah. I may or may not have seen one or two Bentley. For our listeners that aren't familiar, there's not a lot of porn produced in Australia, especially yeah. not gay porn, but there is one Melbourne-based gay porn site called yeah. Bentley Race, and you can see most of the boys that are at Poof Doof on a Saturday night up 
uploaded on a Tuesday afternoon. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> They're making back the money they, they lost at Puffed Off. And they shoot on the rooftop and you can yeah, see the can ANZ see building Station. and the Flinders Street Station yeah, in the so background of so the, can't be far these away guys getting fucked. And there's an office building next to them. I don't know how they get away so from So I have a theory because I used to live on Flinders Street right, right at where it's filmed. Yeah. Mm. It's either in the building that I lived in because mm. there were a lot of gay men that lived in that building. Right. Right. It was the one next to us that was the hotel that also right. had service departments. Yeah, okay. And I was just like, I swear you it's one of these totally buildings. You should totally go and say, I'd like, like to borrow a cup of sugar, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, even with your swipe card, you could only get on to like, the balcony level and then your specific level. How did he stop people it. from going up into the balcony when he's filming as well? Yeah, that is, maybe he yeah. owns the rooftop. I don't know. Lucky him. Mm. <laughs> let's <laughs> mythbuster it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure one we'll of get Ky- Let's get Kyle booked in for a session yeah. and we'll, we'll send him like in with some hidden cameras. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or we could all just go up as, as like agents. <laughs> we could just all audition yeah. for Bentley Race. <laughs> yeah. I'm 45. I don't I'm, think I'm gonna beyond gonna his, <laughs> his, his demographic. I'm yeah. You know, sometimes you go to a different state and yeah. you go to like a, a sex club or in another country and it's like all of, you know, everything's in another language or whatever. Sure. And you buy a random bottle of ammo. Yeah. And you're like, look, it's expensive. It's probably good. But it's often not. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, you can't tell. Well, the same thing happens with wine, doesn't it? Absolutely. All the time. You never know what's going to happen. That's right. <laughs> So the great thing about the wine gallery is they do the testing for you. Heaven, that'll save a lot of my nose. They'll be sending you wines that you might have never experienced or never discovered just based off of your preferences and your palate. What you like to drink. And what you like (laughs) to drink or sniff. And it definitely saves you from like standing in the bottle shop, just looking at all the bottles being like, I want to try something new, but I don't know what the hell to try. Yeah. That's what this is great for. I love it. Exactly. So visit thewinegallery.com.au and get $25 off your first box when you use the code GAYSREVOLTING at the checkout. In 2018, there's very few things that wear out yeah. anymore. You know, everything's all online. It's all exactly. digital. It gets updated constantly. Mm. But... There are a few things that wear out very quickly. Mm. Jock straps, for me at least. <laughs> my patience with Luke. Yeah. And my mattress. My mattress is actually quite new, but that's because of religious reasons. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and not the fact that there's cum in amyl stains. Uh, I said religious reasons. <laughs> I've genuinely had the mat- same mattress for, I think, like eight years at least. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. disgusting. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had like four couches in that time, but I've had the same the mattress. The same mattress, yeah. as yeah. always. So it's probably time to upgrade get something yeah. washable as well yeah, that's it. and just remember with koala mattresses just like Tom you have 120 nights <laughs> before you decide whether you want to keep it yeah, yeah so visit koala.com and get $150 off purchases over $1000 when you use the code GAYSREVOLTING at checkout so this next one comes from a person named Tom and not the one sitting next to me. <laughs> um, but this is also something that we've spoken about on the show previously. So Tom says, I've seen a few different psychologists slash counsellors over the years, some better than others, but I've never quite found one. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One that I felt got my identity as a queer person. Even though I know they all tried their best, it just didn't feel as if they really understood the role of my sexuality, gender identity in impacting who I am. And so... I feel I've probably still got some stuff to work through in that regards. Any advice? Absolutely. The biggest predictor of a good outcome with a psychologist is you feeling safe talking to them. Mm -hmm. So sack people early. I'm all about failing fast, whether it be a boyfriend or a doctor or a psychologist. If you do not feel connected with them, sack them. Go find somebody else. So how the hell do you find a queer friendly psychologist? Well, Mm -hmm. it's not easy. But the trick is, in my Rolodex of my mind, I have a selection of queer-friendly psychologists that I Mm. send to, and I hope none of them ever die in an unfortunate tram accident because I don't know what half of freaking Melbourne goes to see one of my psychologists. And sometimes it's worth, if there's a little bit of a connection and they just need some education, then Mm -hmm. offer them the education. But be kind of like, hey, I really want to have a better relationship with you, so here's some information that you might find useful. That can be a good way. Like I had one psychologist I met in Brisbane who did this whole withdrawal and rejection thing in the middle of it. Like He was going, well, if you can't tell me that you're gay in the first 20 minutes of this session, then I don't even know if I can have a relationship with you. And I was like, "What? okay, so to have a psychologist throw rejection at you halfway through is like, that's really bad. So, ba-bow, sacked. So, feel free to go, "Mm, you make me feel yucky, I'm not coming back. Mm -hmm. I think it's important, depending on how comfortable you are, stating what you want and what you Mm. need from Mm. a psychologist, because I do intake yep sometimes it's it's not appropriate to ask that question especially mm. if i'm doing it over the phone for example yep but a lot of the cues are there yeah. because mm. as a 30 something gay man mm. i'm highly attuned to sexual opportunities <laughs> shopping at coles yeah oh, he's got a banana in the kid's seat we know what that means um that if that is something specifically yep. don't be afraid to ask for that because mm. the people doing the intake will have that rolodex i've got yeah. a rolodex of people yeah, yeah, too yeah, yeah. But unless I have that information, I can't... Yeah, we're not psychic. And I understand it can be uncomfortable for some people to disclose that information. Yeah. But like you said, you've seen... You see buttholes on the daily. People working in the health industry are some of the least judgmental people in the world because we're exposed to so much. And for for the Australian listeners of this, if you've got a mental health care plan, you only get 10 sessions per year. Yeah, I don't like that. So you don't want to waste them. So don't dick around. Mm. Get to the point. See what you want because focused is what it's all about. Focus on the problem and get in there. If you want somebody to talk to every week, then that's where you go and see a psychotherapist. Now, tips Mm. for beginners. Did you know that Medicare has a ceiling with Mm. PBS, right? With the medications, if you spend a certain amount of money on medications, then you get your medicines at a discounted rate for the rest of the year, right? Yeah. Works out if you're on more than five medicines, it works out really cheap by about March or April. Okay. It's the same for Medicare, So after you've seen a psychiatrist, like a talk psychiatrist, four or five, maybe six times, then you get not only the the regular Medicare rebate refund, but you also get 90% of the gap refunded as well. Wow. So if you want a 
regular talk session with a psychotherapist, keep on putting in your Medicare receipts to Medicare and bring it all up. It adds up. It's called the MBS. Oh, it's not ceiling. MBS threshold. uh, Threshold. Thank you. And And can we talk about the difference between a psychotherapist and a psychologist? Sure. So a psychologist is somebody who is trained in psychological strategies. They Mm -hmm. do not prescribe medicines. Mm -hmm. And psychologists come in all sorts of varieties, like people come in all sorts of varieties. Mm -hmm. A psychotherapist is generally a psychiatrist, so a doctor who is trained and a fellow of the College of Psychiatrists, but they specialize in talk therapy. Right. And it's more of a prolonged kind of thing that if you've got a relationship with a psychotherapist, this is somebody that you generally see frequently every week. Some people see their psychotherapist two or three times a week or every couple of weeks or monthly, but this is a relationship that you develop over years. Right, okay. Um, And that's not possible under a mental health care plan because it's only 10 sessions. Mm. Do you agree with that 10 sessions? Well... (laughs) No, it, yeah. I back in the day it used to be eighteen, <laughs> right? And, but wow. I think a lot of people waffle around. I think mm-hmm. ten sessions forces you to get to the point and get it sorted out. Yeah. If you've got a good psychologist who knows what they're talking about and who really zones in, you can get a lot achieved in ten sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm all about being taught skills because we know that talk therapy works and if you can develop a couple of skills that are useful for you when you're distressed to calm yourself down mm. or a couple of skills to deal with yourself when you're feeling bored like I, I when I was working in psychiatric intake I'd have people phoning me up saying I'm suicidal and I'm like why are you suicidal and I said well mm. because dinner's not going to be on the table for five minutes and I'm mm. like well okay well what can we do for five minutes have you thought about yeah. setting the table finding something to distract because acute suicidality generally doesn't last for a long period of time mm. it's usually a short period of time so it's about finding something that will distract you until that yucky feeling goes away all right we've got a saucy question and it's an anonymous one so it could be someone in this room (laughs) (laughs) the phone calls coming from inside inside the house i usually find myself having sex where i don't even know the guy it's anonymous and we just have sex and go i wanted to know is this normal and if there's a way to stop so they're obviously not happy. Mm. Yeah, with I think that their, question says a lot about how they feel about what they're doing. With yeah. their behavior. Look, sex is a commodity. It's an, in, in places like Melbourne and Sydney and, you know, wherever. Sex is moderately easy to acquire. Yeah. You can go to a sex on-premise venue and have sex with somebody there. I spend most of my time there. <laughs> God bless. Um, and they've got to have a hobby, right? But understand what it is, right? Yeah. You mm. are projecting the, the sexual fantasy in your mind onto somebody with the most convenient body. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what you're doing acknowledge what like why is this person seeking out that style of sex if it's because Mm. he's horny and he just wants to get off i don't think that that's a bad thing as Mm. long as nobody's getting run over no one's getting shot nobody's being forced to do stuff that they don't want to do and everyone's willing i think that's that's actually okay but if it's impacting on him and that he doesn't feel good about it if he feels bad after doing it then he needs to find something else to do and again, this is where a psychologist can be really, really helpful because they can stop and look through the motivations about what is it that you're wanting to get out of this. If you're getting it, great. If you're not, then why not? And mm. how mm. can those needs be better met? Because it sounds like this is heading into a habitual mm. sort of area. Mm. It, it, and I think we kind of separate sex from habits mm. because we think it's some yeah. magical personal Validation. thing. Yeah. But it can really just be a habit. It can be a habit. It's like smoking or whatever. And But look at the culture of it. So say, for example, let's go to Bangladesh, where it is absolutely oh, right. normal for a guy 
in his lunch break to go to a brothel and fuck and then go back to work. And then after work, go to a brothel and fuck and then go home to his wife. Mm. That's normal. It's a cultural norm. And within, you know, Australian cultural norms, within the gay, in some sectors of the gay community, it's totally normal to go to wed on a Sunday afternoon because it's fun, it's entertaining, you can meet some interesting people. I've met some great people at wed, but I suppose... We've probably met before then, darling. Maybe. (laughs) We probably have. Um, What do you look like with a towel over your head? Uh, Um, I'm usually in the the second porn room. Oh, that one. Yes, I have (laughs) met you. That's it. Oh, there you go. Um... So I suppose the key is if you're leaving feeling worse than when you arrive, then that's not a good thing. Mm. And Mm. you need to review why that is. Now, this one isn't technically a medical question, but I laughed a lot (laughs) when we got this question. And I've done some research since and I've had a good chuckle to myself. So this one is from Kelly from New Zealand. And Kelly says, what is a twink? I'm from New Zealand, and we call twink correction ink, or what Australians would call whiteout. I've been living in Sydney for six months, and that's the one term I still can't understand, and you keep talking about it on the podcast. I had no idea that twink was not a universal word. Well, remember, like, if we go to America, Mm. where they've got the Twinkie Mm. bars, which are cheap, disposable, easy to acquire, and no nutritional value. So, So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. They have a different word there, yeah. So, there you go. But, Um, um, yeah, I, I had no idea. Burrowing someone's twink in New Zealand would just be I think be anybody who calls himself a twink probably isn't a twink. True. Young and fluffy and having a great time. And all I do find it yeah. funny when twinks get upset when you call them a twink and they're like, oh, I'm not a twink. I'm like, fucking cling on to that. I wish yeah. people were still calling me a twink. <laughs> it's like when you get that first daddy call, it's like, yeah. Okay, I've just got my enough. first in the last few. You got called daddy. Oh, yeah. No way. In my 30s, you know. That's when you pat him on the head and go, yes. (laughs) Good boy. I don't have the income of a daddy. Like, I wouldn't mind being called daddy if I could support a twink. Yeah, most daddies can't support a twink. No. No. Most daddies can hardly support themselves. I mean, physically, I'm not good. Uh, Cool. So, our next one is from Kate. uh, And she asks, should women who have sex with bisexual men have different sexual health tests than women who have sex with straight men? And would it also depend on whether you're having vaginal or anal sex? This is one of my bugbears. We under-test women dreadfully. So, I don't give a shit gender, sex, whatever. All I want to know is what holes you have and what's been in them. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's what I want to yeah. know. So if you've had a penis in your mouth, you get a throat swab. Mm-hmm. If you've had a finger or a toy or anything up your butt, you get an anal swab. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you have a vagina and it's had something in it, it gets a swab as well, as well as a urine test. For women, we do not swab their throats. And we totally should. Because really? That's not a thing for women? No, it's not done. And wow. I, I argued this at a GP conference. I said, why yeah. aren't we swabbing the throats of women? And some GP said to me, well, because if they've got it in their throat, they'll also have it in their urine. And I said, well, now let's stop about this. Is it possible mm. for a woman just to have oral sex? She goes, yes. And I said, well, then why on earth would it be in her urine? Yeah. So, uh, oh, sorry, I'm assuming that that means we also aren't swabbing straight men's throats. No, we're not. Yeah, and that's okay, why right, I'm. Okay, yeah. When I do a sexual health screening, my standard questions are: I do you sleep with men, women, or sometimes mm-hmm. both. And depending on the answer, have you had any fingers, toys, or anything up your butt, anything inside your mouth? Mm-hmm. I don't care. I just want to know what to swab. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm quite blunt about that because I want to make sure that the people get tested properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't matter who the woman sleeps with. And the other thing that's really, really important, lesbians. Mm. A lot of lesbians have never had a pap smear. Yeah. Oh, wow. But oh. HPV can be transmitted through fingers. Mm. So yeah. it's really important that women who have sex with women do consider... It's not like a women should do carry a handbag after midnight. <laughs> Um, women who have sex with women should still consider a pap smear because mm. they can 
can still be exposed to cervical cancer. Mm. Mm. It was like a mind-blowing situation when my friend, she's a lesbian, she's in her late 30s, mm. yeah. got her first STI. Mm. I remember we had a cigarette on the balcony and we both kind of looked at each other like we'd just watched Inception and we were like, <laughs> I didn't think this could happen. I didn't yeah. think this. Oh, God, yeah. And she'd been quite active in the les- lesbian community mm. for most of her adulthood mm. and had just been lucky. Or So I think it is really important to yeah. disclose as much as can. I yeah, yeah, yeah. got a text a while back that I've saved because it's pretty funny. But it's from a guy who says specifically ask them to swab your throat because a lot of the GPs that I've been to haven't been doing it. Yep. And whatever I've given you is specifically yeah. in the throat. Yeah. And gonorrhea and can be transmitted through kissing in the throat. Mm, yeah. So throat to throat. So it's worth noting that mm. we should, even if you're just having that sly snog at the lead, you should be considering getting mm. that, that swabbed. And time frame wise, uh, I think. I find my gay friends know every single three months if you're sexually active. My straight friends don't feel. seem to be doing it anywhere near that. Yeah, regular. all people who are sexually active should be getting a full sexual health screening every year. Right. If you've mm. had more than ten sexual partners in less than six months, every six months. If you're particularly successful, or if you're on prep, every three. Okay. Yeah. Great. Does it sound like I say that a lot? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, <laughs> but it, it makes sense. It's, yeah. You know, it's good to have a, a rhyme. Yeah. It's like uh, I've got all of these little mini loops in my yeah. brain. Like it's sort of like yeah. how I remember the planets. You know, you you got to have my a way. Very easy <laughs> memory jingle seems and useful. Thing- naming planets. Pluto is a planet. <laughs> um, HPV, uh, human papilloma virus, virus correct? Yes. Am I correct in thinking that that can lead to rectal cancer? Yes. Yes. And I've heard, and there's conversations happening, mm-hmm. that um, rectal cancer will be what kills most gay men for the next generation as opposed to HIV for the last generation. Is that something I've heard? Who, who knows? Look, yeah, to right. be honest, if you're a man who has sex with other men, you're at 40 times the risk of developing anal cancer. If you're HIV positive, it's 100 times the risk. Right. So from the ages of, say, the age varies, but you know, somewhere between 45 mm. and 55, a finger should go inside the bum to see if there's any lumps inside the anal. 70 okay percent of anal cancers can be picked up with a finger sweep inside mm-hmm. the ass. Yeah. Melbourne Sexual Health is really good. They've had a number of studies on this. Right. And it's very, very easy to do. But if you've got a finger inside somebody and it feels more chocolate crackle than silky tube, mm-hmm. then they should go and see the doctor because that could be anal warts or, right. or worse. So they should be treated. Also, all gay men should consider the HPV vaccine. It's worthwhile. Yeah. And the data is now that it's useful well beyond the ages of 27. Oh, okay. Because I, yeah. I did ask about it last yeah. time I was at the sexual health clinic and they mm. said, no, you're over 26. Yeah. So slightly. <laughs> um, and that I that couldn't just get means it. you have to pay. Oh, I'm happy to pay. To pay. I th- they told yeah. me I couldn't get it. I thought it was just not worth having. Yeah. No, no, it's still worth having because the Spank study out of New South Wales basically said that like there's four main strains of HPV that we know are associated mm. with cancers. And they was they were swabbing the asses of all sorts of people, but even right. 70-year-old men had not been exposed to all four strains. Right. Which means that there is still okay. value in getting the vaccine. Oh, so, God, I'm doing it tomorrow then. If yeah, you've got private genuinely. health cover that covers the vaccines and mm. stuff, you can get your money back. Yeah, great. So it's worth looking into. And is that something you can just do with your GP? or Most GPs will do it. Not yeah. all GPs are aware of it. And some GPs will say, no, 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 it's not worth it. Right. Mm. I'm telling you now in front of garden, everybody, it is worth doing. Tying into what we were just talking about, is there any correlation between bottoming and, say, a risk, increase in risk of prostate cancer? No. Okay, cool. No, look, no, but there isn't. (laughs) Anal sex isn't really going to affect the prostate in any particular way. So, no. I think it's like some mystery tunnel that people were just like, (laughs) you know, it's like, 
uh, the it's Beatles. It's the gay man's clitoris. Yeah. <laughs> Mystery magic yeah. tour. Y- yeah. the, you know, the biggest correlation it, for prostate cancer is a family member who's had prostate cancer right. or breast or ovarian cancer because they're all oh, on okay. the same oh. gene. Mm. So any of those, it's worth talking to your doctor about getting screened for prostate cancer early rather than late. What if okay. that family member had anal sex? With you. <laughs> well, then they're awesome and they with sound great, and I want to meet them. <laughs> with that All Luke's my daddy uncle. son fetishes Luke's are finally coming Adult, adult, adult. People Can all you do personal checks for prostate cancer? No. Go no, to your doctor. It's, it's, it's a doctor no. thing. It's Go not to like your a damn doctor. No, but well, see, the thing is that a finger up the bum will only feel half of the prostate. Right. The other okay. half is impossible to feel with the tip of your finger. So okay. that's why rectal exam isn't always the best way mm. of testing for prostate cancer. Okay. So it's a combination of a number of different things that we look at for prostate. And what kind of things to be looking at for as a sign that you might need to go get tested? Okay, well, signs that you that the prostate is enlarged mm-hmm. is signs of needing to pee more often, needing to get up more than twice at night to go to the toilet, mm-hmm. difficulty starting the stream, difficulty stopping the stream, dribbling after you've peed, mm-hmm. feeling like you need to go back to the toilet after you've finished. And another sign could be blood in the urine, mm-hmm. pain with passing urine and like if the if the urine's coming out like a dribbly old tap that's not a good sign okay. go and see your doctor okay. get it checked yeah. out going back to uh, stuff that's probably more on the mental health side of things mm. we've got another anonymous question and they say sometimes I find my anger is difficult to control I get wound up so quickly and it takes me at least half an hour to calm down I snap over the silliest things and it's beginning to affect my relationship what methods would you suggest to control anger in the moment Well, I suppose the other thing is that in men, undiagnosed depression Mm -hmm. is a very common cause of irritability and anger. Mm -hmm. So grumpy men can usually Mm -hmm. be grumpy and irritable. But I suppose the other thing is that stop, breathe, anger Mm -hmm. won't be there forever. And then go take a walk. Go have it stop and slowly drink a glass of water. Mm -hmm. Knit. Do something that is going to occupy the mind, Mm. occupy the hands. But if you're feeling that angry that you want to like punch a hole in the wall or something like that, then go and see a psychologist Mm -hmm. and get it sorted out. I know this doesn't explicitly apologize, but Tom, I accept your apology. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm glad. (laughs) Do you know, I find it interesting. I mean, this person doesn't, whilst I assume they're an LGBTI person because they listen to this podcast, they don't specifically talk about their um, sexuality in relation to this. But it is something that you sort of see a lot in the gay scene. You see a lot of Mm. angry queens or nasty queens and stuff and we always go oh she's just a nasty bitch but it does there is a correlation with the the gay male scene and having this kind of personality and you saying that it's to do with repressed or undiagnosed depression makes a lot of sense because of a lot of the things that people in our community have Mm. gone through yeah yeah. and also i want to say coming from a very straight childhood and in a very straight part of australia a lot of uh, heterosexual men in toxically masculine yes. environments, I feel like, have similar things that maybe um, have very different mm. Um, mm. symptoms, but yeah. are still yeah. basically bitchy, angry men. Yeah. yeah, and there's lots of things like: are they unwell? Are mm. they mm. are they taking substances that make them more irritable? And that, like, I'm sure that meth is hardly a, a soothing environment mm. to bathe your brain in. Mm. So look into that stuff as mm. well. Mm. And yeah. if you're not the mental health type of person, because some people just aren't, they don't want to engage in that. Yeah. I found it really useful to understand the science and, and the more physical aspects mm. of mm. how anger makes you feel, how anxiety makes you feel, because mm. yeah. a lot of these feelings can lose their power when you realize they're mm. fueled by adrenaline or yeah. 
when you realize that there's not yeah. this magic mm. ethereal thing that makes you feel a certain way yeah. sometimes it is just a reaction of your body yep. you know mm. making a certain change within the chemicals within you which mm. can allow you i guess to control in the yeah. moment or whatever it's well i wasn't going to go into brain anatomy but i think that's an important Why thing not? the, the yeah. old part of the brain the limbic system that's the fight versus flight center right exactly so that's yeah. the, the old part of the brain and it will trump everything yeah. so if it's running the show then that's it you're either fighting or you're running away or you're freezing mm. people forget the freezing part right mm. fight flight yeah. freeze then you've got the prefrontal cortex or the front part of the brain that's like the adult and it's the bit that comes in and says it's going to be okay i understand you're frustrated mm. at the moment but you're going to be okay in the next half hour just have a mm. cup of tea and you'll be okay. But as long as that old part of the brain is screaming, the front part can't be heard. Mm. So I find as a typically quite cynical person, that mm. framework works really well for me. Mm. It helps me understand what's going on in my body, that mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not this out of mm. up in the airy kind of thing. It's a very physical. Yeah. So hopefully that helps this other anonymous person that yeah. definitely yeah. isn't. Yeah. <laughs> but having somebody to me. go through this with is the important part. Mm. You can't bootstrap yeah. anger management. You need to have mm. somebody to bounce stuff off with. Yeah. Can I ask one of my own questions? Um, I have a very good friend of mine who I've been friends with for a long time. He's mm. a fair bit younger than I am. Stunning, beautiful, gorgeous body, very talented, very successful in life, troubled, upbringing and got into the ice scene in Sydney mm-hmm. a few years ago and was intensely in it for a while, mm. decided it wasn't healthy mm. for him and he really wanted to get out of it. Mm. And we've sort of been stuck in this loop for the last 18 months of him pulling himself out of it, being really healthy for a few weeks. I'll come up and visit or we'll be on mm. the phone every day just to make sure he's got something planned for the next night. Mm-hmm. And then he goes through the same cycle of having a binge for a week or two. Yeah. And then we go back through it again. Yep. What advice would you give to people that are trying to help their friends with this sort of stuff? It's really, really hard. And I don't, I don't know how much... Well, one, don't support the habit. Mm-hmm. And that means reinforcing bad behavior. And don't put up with bad behavior as well. Have good, strong boundaries and say, look, if you're under the influence of meth, you are not well come in my house mm-hmm. or stuff like mm-hmm. that. I've had people come to my house who are saying, oh, do you mind if I just smoke in the bathroom? And I mm. said, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I can't have drugs in my house. You need to go. Yeah. And so you you have to have those strong boundaries. But I suppose the other thing is, remember, it's the person with the problem, not you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not your job to get them off meth. They have to do that themselves. So it's a good way of thinking. It's not so you're there to, to provide to the environment, but you're not. Well, you're not even, that's not your job. Your job is to be their friend, right? You're not their counselor. They're not, you're not their best buddy or anything like that. Your job is to just be their friend, be supportive, but don't support the things that are making Mm. them not good. Mm. But if somebody chooses to use meth, then that's the pathway that they've chosen. And it's kind of the way it is. It's, yeah, I'm more thinking like once they've made that decision that they want to stop doing it. Yep. Then do everything you can to support that. But again, you're their friend, not their psychologist or anything like that. Cool. So the next question is from. From someone named Brett. Brett asks, My boyfriend keeps bringing up opening up our relationship. I don't think I'm wired to accept him sleeping with other people, but I don't want to lose him. How do I open my mind to it? It's interesting that, you know, Mm. I'm not ready to open up the relationship, but I don't want to lose him, right? Yeah. So, to me, that says that you're worried about losing your partner. Yeah. And that if he's having sex with somebody else, that you will lose him. Maybe it's about acknowledging that I don't feel 100% confident that, 
you are feeling connected with me mm-hmm. and um, I just want to feel reassured that it's great that you're having sex with other people yeah. but that that we have a, a relationship as well this is where, where honesty is so 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 important with all of this because and this has got nothing to do with the person who wrote the question right yeah a lot of people who say they want to open up relationships so they can feel less guilty about fucking around mm. right so that's okay just be honest about it mm. so this is where having that open dialogue is so 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 important to be able to say well you know i enjoy sex with other people as well Mm. and then to be able to ask for what you want say what you don't want negotiate the differences this is what i teach in bdsm you know have something to give have something to take Mm. and be able to negotiate but the first thing is know what you want and can the other person provide it remember earlier in the podcast i said fail fast you are better to fail Mm. fast i highly recommend um there's a an American psychologist, Dr. Robert Glover, mm. who talks about toxic male syndromes where men will fall over themselves to mm. please women, but it happens to gay men as well, that you yeah. give up what you actually want because you think it's going to make you feel safer and more loved mm. with somebody when really you're, you're not being your honest true self so i think it's important that you have to be honest and true firstly with yourself and then with your partner about what you actually want Mm. and if your partner is not able to provide that that's okay yeah but be honest about it would you say just in case that this person isn't confident enough to bring it to their partner would you Mm. say that doing like a couples therapy thing depending on how far the relationship is yeah Yeah, absolutely but it's a scary situation Mm. when you when you're talking about raw emotions and stuff like that it can be really scary to make yourself vulnerable to somebody else yeah. is scary and it's about being kind and being gentle with each other. If you can't even do that, mm. then is the relationship that mm. good? Yeah. So if you can't even be kind and caring to each other, then I'm not sure whether opening a relationship is going to change that. I was really intrigued by the fact that they use the word wired to accept this. Do you think there is a science behind the wiring of whether you can do that or not? Or do you think that's more of a, a learnt experience? Um, look, it, it depends on... I always go back to well, why. why. What's the reasoning? Mm. If I actually believe in toxic monogamy mm. and that there are some mm. people who would... It's not that they're so devoted to one person. It's just that they're so fearful that somebody else will come on and snatch them away. Right. Yeah. So it's a control... Monogamy can be used by some people as a controlling mechanism Mm -hmm. and if that's the case then it's toxic whereas if people choose to be monogamous because they've only got eyes for that one beautiful man then that's Mm. great and Mm. i think that's wonderful and beautiful and rock on but if you're using monogamy as a tool of control then i don't think that that's a good enough reason Mm. the way i see it is that say if if you've got a partner who isn't into fisting or something like that but you've Mm. the other person really enjoys fisting then I'd, I wouldn't have a problem with somebody going out. Off you trot. Go and go and do the washing. Off you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, that wouldn't bother me at all. It'd be like, oh well, I'm really glad that they're happy, and I'm really glad that they're having a good time. Yeah, I would see that as a good thing, not as a oh my god, what if what if he runs off with a fisting bottom? And I was like, well, <laughs> there you go. That, that's mm. what happens. So. Yeah. Okie dokie. This is a bit of a classic question. I'm sure you've been asked many a time. Uh, it comes from one of our listeners, Andy, who wants to know if you can get STDs from swallowing semen. Absolutely. The way that the Mm. semen gets into the mouth is usually because a penis was inside the mouth. So if there's a penis inside the mouth, you can get chlamydia, gonorrhea, herpes, and syphilis. Yeah. But it's not always a penis. I've seen a few videos where it's like a little tub that they've saved. Or it could be a vagina or or it could be a whatever, but whatever. Are you talking about that one where they had like the the Japanese cooking show where they fried the semen? (laughs) 
What? Yeah. Have you seen that? <laughs> no. What you know what I'm talking about. about. Oh Sorry to go on a tangent here, but there's a video online. They've obviously got a lot of money in Japan for porn because they've yeah. built the entire set of... What's that cooking show called? Iron Chef. Iron Chef. Oh, they've rebuilt goodness. the Iron Chef set and they've got something like 30 men naked there with chef's hats and this woman goes along and jerks them all off into a jug and gets like a jug oh, full of semen yes. and then she goes to a fry pan and makes an omelette out of the cum. <laughs> What just and then the feeds cum it. by itself? <laughs> what does she yeah. add eggs to it? Oh, she might have put like tomatoes in it or something. Mm. Oh, and, well, then, and then that's someone insane. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there are other ways of ingesting semen without a penis being in your mouth, I think is what Luke's Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but I, look, but if you're swallowing speaking, cum, yes, you're at risk of chlamydia, yeah. gonorrhea, syphilis or herpes. Not HIV. So that's why we have to swab. Throats. Absolutely. Swab throats. Yeah. It's Rock because on. of Andy's question. And what if those yes, things- Andy, it's your fault. <laughs> you can, you, but some of those things you can still get from giving or rimming, being the active person in a rimming yeah. situation as yeah. well. But there's no semen transferred there. Well, maybe, I don't know. There's some people who are in the <laughs> Well, that's true. There could have been semen yeah, in there already. True, yeah. which is just, ugh, that's one of my hard lines. But yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, you, you can't. Pas pour moi. But there you go. What's that? Yeah. Felching, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Felching. Not, yeah. Yeah. Um, Not for me. So but those things can also be transferred just from the mucus in the rectum if there was no semen in the ass. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in addition to chlamydia, gonorrhea, herpes, and syphilis, then we also have to add oh, in hepatitis A and shigella, shigella yeah. as well. Mm. So, yeah. Bloody diarrhea. And my least favorite and RuPaul's feeders. Drag Race drag queen. Shigella. <laughs> shigella. God bless her. And we've got one more question. This is an anonymous one. And uh, they say, I used to have bulimia and still sometimes make myself throw up if I feel like I've overeaten. What treatment options are available if I was to ask for help? And does regular throwing up cause any physical damage? damage inside the body. Yeah, look, bulimia does have particular issues, and particularly if it's involved with binge eating as well, because the stomach can only stretch so far, and then vomiting is quite a, a violent act for the stomach as well. It's mm-hmm. not an easy thing to do, and, and bulimia is associated with many problems, not just with the stomach, but also people who vomit on a regular basis can have issues with like their teeth. Mm-hmm. They can get a, a loss of enamel on the teeth, but also it can lead to problems with the heart, electrolyte imbalances and all that sort of stuff so if you're in a regular cycle of binge and purge then it is important to seek medical help and most capital cities do have um, eating disorder clinics and I think it's important that we acknowledge that men can have bulimia Mm, absolutely men can have bulimia and whether it be instead of vomiting they might binge exercise or they might Mm -hmm. and a lot of rituals are around this as well Mm -hmm. when I was younger I, I, I was going to a gym in Brisbane and there was an anorexic girl there who had a lot of yeah. rituals around using the machines and stuff. And I was surprised that they allowed her to be a member of the gym. And I always flagged that. I said, this person's not well. Why are you supporting, it, supporting, it, yeah. supporting this? But it's a tough one. It's a tough one. But men, it's often hidden. Mm. It's, it's often on the hidden. rise as well, the increase in mm. like mm. eating disorders. And the gym thing. Men. Sorry, yeah. you mentioned the gym mm. thing. But mm. like... I feel like in the gay scene that's really celebrated, but sometimes I look at some people whose life circulates around yeah. what I think is probably an unhealthy amount of mm-hmm. exercise, steroids, protein powder, and all that sort Massively, of thing. Yeah. That is, I assume, probably. I think also the body is a, it's a nice place mm-hmm. to start, but a terrible place to stop. Mm-hmm. There's so much more that you that's can really do. It's nice to have a nice body, but if you're, you know, as boring as a plank of wood, <laughs> then. You know, that's not like having the pecs and that might get the person closer to you at the bar. Mm. But if you can't have a conversation, then and your yeah. life is taken up. You mm. are going to be that sex doll that people's fantasies are projected onto. 
It's like I feel unfortunate for those people with you know ginormously large penises. It mm. must get boring after a while. Oh, just being yeah. the guy with the massive dick, the yeah. guy with the big dick, and having to. I fight mean, I know. Sorry, off. I mean, I just yeah. say I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a struggle every day. Well, they're all fun in their own special <laughs> yeah. way. And, you, know. um, you mentioned binge eating. Yeah, can you mm. give, tell me what the medical definition of that is? Because I feel like people mm. use that phrase as just like, oh, I totally binged yeah. on a, a halal snack pack last night, and that's not really mm. binge eating. Well, I if you just sort of mm. treated yourself to something yeah, a little bit too much it's hard to like I, I can't give you well more than 250 mils of, <laughs> is a binge mm. but I think anything in excess like if you're going to eat a whole cake that's mm. probably binge eating but mm, I suppose yeah. that people do it for a reason they, but is it a medical issue only if it becomes a regular thing or if you're doing that as like a one off I got really drunk and ate well the danger the, one of the dangers with binge eating is people who do it irregularly not oh, regularly right. okay. no but I suppose binge eating is like what's the purpose that mm. people who binge eat aren't necessarily there for the flavour mm. And they're not there for it's a sensation mm-hmm. thing. It's about you know, there's lots of reasons that people will binge. So it's about exploring that sort of stuff. So I can't give an exact mm-hmm. definition of what a binge is, but if you're eating in a if your patterns of eating make you feel unhappy, then it's worth talking to somebody mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Dr. George, I wanna say when our producer told us we're doing this episode, I was excited about it, but having yeah. now done it, this has been genuinely fascinating. Oh uh, cool talking to you about this sort of stuff and and talking to a member of the community that knows about this stuff that that can give genuine life experience advice yeah. so thank you so much for joining oh, us it's my absolute pleasure. i know that i've learned a lot from it and enjoyed having you cool. here and i'm sure our listeners cool. have as well so genuinely yeah. from the bottom of my heart thank if you, you if you want to learn more about my ramblings i have a number of like you can go to the healthybear.com mm-hmm. my uh, i've got a prep website is prepforme.com wonderful um so you can check those out you thank can learn you. a little bit more thank you yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for answering all of the questions that I submitted. (laughs) Different people's names. Yay, anonymous. (laughs) I thought that was a slightly Spanish name. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I feel like I got what I needed from that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Yes or none. You're good to go. <laughs> I've got to go to a doctor tomorrow morning and book in like a four-hour appointment to yeah. see everything that I have. If you listened to this episode and have thought of more questions that you'd like to hear from the Healthy Bear, you can send them to us right now. It might be a little while until mm. we have him back again, but we will have him back again at some point. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Gaze Revolting or Instagram yeah. at Gaze Revolting Pod. And we do have our group on Facebook as well, so get in on it if you aren't already in there yeah if you want your questions to be extra not anonymous ask them in the group and that is it for tonight so in the words of the great queer philosopher <laughs> Patty Lapone, bye 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 hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.